0: Thank you for your presence. Thank you that you are here with us. And thank you that you are mighty to save. Amen. Amen. Previously at Vineyard, we have uh, talked about uh, how Jesus ministered and how he healed and uh principles and how that all that happened we've also talked about how he modeled that to his disciples and how they began to step out in the very kingdom things that jesus was teaching today i want to take that a step further and look at how the disciples who were later named as apostles which means sent ones how they continued in ministering healing, and ministering miracles, and ministering in the power of the Holy Spirit in the early church, and how the early church was kind of birthed. And it's a little bit of a historical background. I nearly said lesson, but I don't want to turn you off. I hope that that's okay. It was funny, I was chatting to the boys, our boys, as they're eagerly preparing for their exams next week, you can imagine. And, um, and they're, they're kind of moaning a little bit about history and I'm like, do you know what, boy? It, history as a site so just depends. Depends on what era you're talking about history because some history is absolutely brilliant, really fascinating, isn't it? Some of it's dead boring. And then I said, the other thing is, it depends on who's teaching it as well. And so we're looking at a historical time and context when the early church was birthed, where kingdom expanse was just incredible. And it was the very beginning of the complete change of the world. So it's an amazing topic that we're looking at. And it also depends on who's teaching it. And you just don't need to look any further. It's just gonna be incredible. So, with those things in mind, Remember that Jesus did this kingdom ministry, signs and wonders. He sends out the 12, he sends out the 72, but after he ascends to be in heaven, the exponential growth and impact of not just one person doing it, but the early apostles and many doing it has an even greater effect Uh, Luke, who uh, was a doctor, who wrote Luke's gospel, he's also the author of another book. He was the author. He was the guy that wrote the book of Acts. And Acts is the book that comes straight after the four gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And Luke does a really brilliant job at the very beginning of Acts. We're going to read it in a moment, where he kind of bridges the two. It's like he's got volume one, volume two. Volume one is Luke's gospel, the life of Jesus. Acts is the acts of what's known as the apostles, which sometimes some people would say should be better renamed as the acts of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. But nonetheless, it's called the acts of the apostles. And acts actually is a verb. It's a doing word. That is right, isn't it? Yeah, I always get, I never knew my verbs and nouns and pronouns and all that business. But Acts is a verb. It's a doing word. And it's things that actually took place. And Luke is bridging the gap between his gospel and into when Jesus ascends to heaven and leaves it over to the 12 or the 11 as it became uh, to do the stuff. We're going to read here Acts 1. The first few verses. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them convincing proofs he was alive. He appeared, this is amazing, Jesus appeared to them over a period of 40 days And spoke, guess what he spoke about? The kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Remember, a command is not a uh, think about this kind of thing. A command was a you better do this instruction. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered round him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father set by his own authority, but you will receive power. Or as the NIV, NI says, par, when The Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. My former book was Luke's gospel. Jesus, what he did, what he said. After Jesus' death and resurrection, he appears to the disciples for a period of over 40 days. And he continues to teach about the kingdom of God. Now, we don't know what he taught. Which, which is a bit of a myth that no one kind of wrote down those words. He continued to teach, but we don't necessarily know what they were. But on one time, he says this, wait, you must wait. That's why we spent one minute waiting. He that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. As we wait upon him, the presence of Jesus, what happens? We receive power power that comes from him. The disciples, they get confused. They run into their own agenda like we often do. And they begin to say, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And they're still hung up over the Israel agenda. And he's like, don't worry about that. Don't be concerned about that. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you're going to be my witnesses You're going to be my apostles. You're going to be my sent ones. And you're going to minister, first of all, in Jerusalem, then Judea, and then to Samaria and the ends of the world. I have a map for you. Here we go. And uh, here I've got Peter Pointer as well. Look. So we've got, let's put it in context. We've got the Mediterranean Sea here. We've got the Dead Sea here. We've got the Sea of Galilee here. And then down over here is like Egypt and all the rest. So we've got this skinny country called Israel. And right here is this very sense, it's Jerusalem. Wait here in Jerusalem for the power that's going to come upon you. You're going to be my witnesses there. You're going to do the most incredible things there. You're going to do the kingdom there in that very important central place. And then I'm going to send you to the regions of Judea and to Samaria. These close-by regions geographically where there are other people there that aren't necessarily just Jewish people, Samaritan people. It's kind of like a cross. Um, it's close, but it's but it's slightly different. We haven't got time to sort of talk about the differences there. But then you're going to go to the ends of the earth. You're going to go all over the world telling people, witnessing to the rest of the world the good news of Jesus. Acts, I would encourage you, if you never read the book of Acts, please read the book of Acts. It's just incredible and tells the story of which we're a part of. Tells the story how the early church was birthed. The first seven chapters are when the apostles, they did the Jerusalem thing. You read about the stories in the first seven chapters, that's what you'll find. Chapters 8 to 13, we see the kingdom advance to Judea and to Samaria. And then 13 to 28 is when we begin to read the advancement to the ends of the earth to the Gentiles. As Paul and others, they go on these missionary trips. Incredible adventures they must have had. This dynamus power that we've been speaking about. The explosion begins at Pentecost as the power of the Holy Spirit came. 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is poured out amongst all the people who were there. Luke writes this later on. This is Acts 2. The Holy Spirit, this is at Pentecost. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Friends, the Holy Spirit is the ingredient it's, it's, it's what we need in the mix. It's who we need. It's who we need to do the kingdom stuff. Without Him, we've nothing. We've just ourselves, which we're pretty good some of the time. We need the presence of Jesus through the person of the Holy Spirit. What's incredible is at Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, they began to speak in tongues. And we don't have time this morning to unpack the gift of tongues. That's c- quite a strange phenomenon. Uh, but tongues really in many ways is the different languages. And, and it said there that they were speaking languages of other kinds on that day. And that must have been the most incredible thing. I've often thought when I go to a foreign country, I wonder if I've got the gift of Spanish. I've never tried it, by the way. Imagine going in and, you know, Wanting churros or something, go bala, you know, and that thing, and they look at you, kind of like strange, going, <laughs> it's not Spanish. <laughs> Take me somewhere else. Maybe it's Portuguese. <laughs> but, but isn't it? Is it's not Portuguese either. You'd be able to tell me, right? Okay. <laughs> maybe I need to go to the Far East. It's maybe over there. Just stop. Sorry. <laughs> it's bad isn't it when andy howard says stop (laughs) (laughs) oh dear the old the old g-lay's coming off i'm getting a bit hot (laughs) the point i was trying to make is it's the reversal of babel for those of us who know our bibles go at uh, genesis 11 at the very very beginning because of man's rebellion and sin At the Tower of Babel, they build this crazy tower. They want to kind of be like God. God confuses the people and begins to give them other languages, which separates mankind. And here at Pentecost, as the power of God is poured out, it's like the reversal of that, because they start speaking in each other's tongues, and this reconciliation process begins. It's the kingdom. I need to hurry up. I'll miss that, I'll miss that. This is, this is important to know. Through the book of Acts, documented throughout it, there are four accounts of speaking gifts, referrals to prophecy or speaking in tongues. There are on four occasions visions, heavenly visions. There are two resurrections from the dead, six miracles, seven accounts of healing, five examples of the laying on of hands. There are three occasions when there's like a uh, this sense phenomenon, things like the sound like the wind or when the gate opened for Peter to be uh, rescued from jail. There are nine accounts of signs and wonders and three angelic visitations. And if you'd like references to them, come ask me afterwards. This is the most important thing. Of all these strange and miraculous phenomenon that comes from the Holy Spirit, this is the most important part. It's about lives changed. You know, very often, uh, I've been in, and I know many of you have been in settings, when the Holy Spirit's so tangible, so present, and people are weeping, people are shaking, people might, might go to the ground. And sometimes we can get caught up in that and think, oh, that's, that's incredible. Or we might have questions, or whatever it might be. And that's never the important thing. The important thing is the life that's being changed. That's what's really, really important. And throughout Acts, this historic era, people's lives are being changed. People are being healed. People are being set free and the church is birthed and churches are growing. This continues. At the end of the book of Acts, we have the letters or the epistles as they're known. And they are written to the churches which were initially planted, the first churches. There are seven churches that we read about there. And contained in those letters, we see and we read about what we talk about, the kingdom now and the kingdom not yet. So the kingdom now, Paul references and says these things. Our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. In 1 Corinthians, to the church in Corinth, he wrote, My message, again, talking about words, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration. A demonstration, that's a real thing that happened, of the Spirit's power. So that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. It's also in the letters that we read about spiritual gifts, uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit as well. So this is the kingdom now, which is continuing to advance in those early churches. And we see that and we read about that. But we also read about the kingdom not yet. All the stuff that we've been talking about over the last number of weeks, because Paul suffered from illness. He suffered himself personally on many, many occasions. We read, As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. And even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I was an angel, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. Also contained in the letters, Paul writes to the church, um, the references on three occasions, three of his co-workers who struggled with illness. Why am I making this point? It's the kingdom now and the kingdom not yet. He is seeing miracles of healing take place and yet on the other hand is still sick himself and still others who he's ministering with are still encountering sickness himself themselves as well. Friends, there are uh, there's other parts of the body of Christ right now that are really pushing into this, this wonderful thing of healing. And they're seeing incredible things take place. Signs and wonders, people set free, deliver. And it's absolutely incredible and inspirational. And it's stuff that we look at and we go, oh, we love that. We'd love some of that. I say this next bit without any angst and without any uh, hardship or criticism my slight, what they tend not to talk about is the other side, the not yet, the when someone doesn't get healed. And I think that our lane, our vineyard lane, what we kind of talk about is we embrace the kingdom now and the kingdom not yet. And we must embrace the two. We live in this tension of we're going to pray and we're going to go after healing we're going to do that because we're just being obedient but at the same time we need to have just the healthy balance of not everyone gets well and people still stay sick and people sometimes still die even though we prayed for the miracle and it uh, do you know what folks it would be easier to align ourselves with one or the other it would be easier to go god's good god's gonna heal god's always gonna heal and it's just all about faith and it's just all about us and if we just do this or we just pray this way as you're gonna get healed it'll be easier to align ourselves on one far side equally it will be far easier as well to align ourselves on the other side over here as john calvin introduced way back when the cessationalist viewpoint and theology of the kingdom came with Jesus and the early apostles, but it's not for today. So, if you get sick, sorry about that. We'll do our best. We'll pray for you. But that's that. that the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they ceased years and years ago. And again, it would be far easier to align ourselves with that kind of theology. And we, we walk the tension, don't we, as vineyarders? We walk the tension of in between, of going after the going after the miracle and yet still holding true to the the kingdom has not come in all its fullness yet but one day it will one day when he returns it will come in all its fullness (sighs) i've loads more to do and i just haven't got time to do it justice so i'm going to finish there um to be continued to be continued